You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. Welcome back to a very special episode of Celtic Strong, where Steve and I are joined by two of our oldest friends and lifelong Celtics fans, also from southeastern Massachusetts. Steve, tell everyone who's here with us today. I'm very excited to welcome two of my oldest friends. These guys are definitely fans and not experts, so they're going to fit right in today. Garrett and Brian, thank you for joining us on the Celtic Strong Podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Hey, excited to be here, uh, Steve. Looking forward (laughs) to uh, taking my online expertise to the podcast world here. Yes, indeed. Yes, very special guests who Steve and I have known nearly our entire lives. And Garrett goes way back with both of us. A lot of great stories and memories. And Brian not only goes way back with both of us, even earlier with Steve, though that's debatable. Brian is also the person to thank for keeping CelticStrong.com alive. So special shout out to our friend Brian who saw an opportunity to keep a chat forum alive. And all these years (laughs) later, Celtic Strong goes strong. And the podcast is just the latest in a soon budding empire. (laughs) So welcome everyone to the podcast. Steve and I uh, are two, as you guys know, Celtics fans and lifelong fans who had to endure since we're all almost the same age, uh, all within a year of each other, probably, 
had to endure a whole childhood, uh, you know, after Bird, Bird's back went. An entire childhood of a, a lot of uh, Ed Pickney. Dino uh, Raja. Dino Raja. Great, great when, years when, on the When Celtics. he's your best player. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they did get an aging Dominique Wilkins briefly. There were some moments and so much tragedy uh, from Len Bias when we were very young to Reggie Lewis. Wow, that was sad. And it seemed like they just were going to be uh, paying for all those fifties and sixties championships our whole life. But they started to show some promise in the early two thousands and drafted my favorite player who we've mentioned on the podcast before the truth paul pierce my birthday mate and for me that's where it really started to turn around and that early 2000s run where he and tuan almost beat the nets and then futility and a lot of futility leading up to what we're going to talk about today yeah soup Super excited to have our two friends, but more importantly, two fans with us here to talk about the Celtics. So I'd like to start, why don't we just start with Brian real quick, like what you saw the, this opportunity to like Celticstrong.com was kind of vulnerable, failing. You swooped in the business shark that you are and <laughs> you said, yeah, I'm a, what happened? What happened there? Yeah. Making, making big moves. No, um, you know. Like the rest of us, I really like to argue with people online, especially about sports. So <laughs> I was a longtime member over at Celtics blog where they had this forum. Um, unfortunately, uh, it seemed like that was going away and I, I just couldn't have that. So I uh, swooped in there uh, through those Celtics blogs forums on a server and uh, allowed people to uh, tear their hair out and argue about draft picks ever since. <laughs> Beautiful. And, you know, you have the traffic stats, I'm sure. So you know how many millions and millions of visits you've created. So that's a lot of hair. Oh, yeah. We're, we're all bald around here. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks for that, uh, that origin story. And uh, I still follow Celtics blog on Twitter. So, you know, they, there's still some presence to all those. Was it Sports Nation? Yeah, so they became, uh, I guess, an SB Nation site, and uh, Celtics Blog still puts out some some great content. But um, yeah, I, I'm 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 here for the uh, the uh, arguments, mostly the strong opinions, the yeah. non experts acting like experts online. Love it, and that's what we're all about here. It's we true. are all about weighing in and bringing our fandom right to the podcast. That's very true. Garrett, it's awesome to have you here on the show. I just wanted you to talk a little bit about your origin. I know you go back loving the Celtics with Eli kind of even farther than I was sort of friends with you guys. So like, what do you recall like your early days of discovering yeah. the Celtics? Or it's, it's interesting because Eli was talking about like, you know, the Larry Bird era and like, we were kind of on the tail end of that. Like, so I remember growing up, you know, being born in the seventies, you know, and being very young in the eighties, like I knew that the Celtics were really good, but like, I didn't really know a lot about sports. Like when you're two, three, four years old, you know? So by the time that, you know, I'm collecting cards and really obsessed with sports, 
like we were sort of like at the tail end or almost out of that era. And my favorite player was Reggie Lewis. So, you know, like that was, that was, you know, so unexpected because he was like that team guy. He was like, you know, like, like it it wasn't like he was like a wild man. You know what I mean? Like he, I don't know. So that, that was a, that was kind of a crazy moment. Yeah. Um, It was such a freak, freak thing. I'm so sad. I remember he like was like collapsed at like practice or something. Like that was the first thing I had heard. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's bizarre, but I'm sure he'll be all right. You know what I mean? Like, that's my thinking, like, you know, and, you know, obviously that wasn't the case. And um, so, yeah, then there was, you know, those years of, I remember playing uh, the NBA Jam basketball game. That's why I I bring up Dino Raja, because you (laughs) picked like the two best players from the team to be like the players for like those games. It was two on two. Or maybe it was three on three. I think it was two on two, though. And it was Dino Raja was the person they chose. And I think (laughs) Dino Raja and like Kenny Anderson or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I remember that's our team. Dino (laughs) Raja and Kenny Anderson is the team that we come up with for NBA Jam. I'm like, we're going to smoke. You can't even play your, like, you can't play as the Celtics and win in that game. I remember. I remember because I would always play as the Pacers and I'd play with Reggie Miller and just shoot threes. Like, right, of course. You're going to take was like anybody a gl- but the Celtics in that game. You know there I mean? was a glitch in the game and he couldn't miss a three-point yeah, shot. Always <laughs> on fire. Yeah, exactly. You had to goaltend to stop <laughs> Reggie Miller. So anyway, so it was like, you know, uh, you had mentioned, uh, Eli, I think that like, you know, when Paul Pierce showed up, that was like, it was like, you know, you're getting some hopium, you know what I mean? Like there's starting to be some hope that maybe, you know, the, the Dino Raja era is over. Yeah. I mean, Pierce, I didn't know, like I didn't follow him in college, but I remember when they got him because he had fallen, people were stoked. You know, the fan base was definitely excited. Do you remember what number of draft pick he was? I don't remember. I think 10. Uh, okay, I was going to say eight, but yeah. I probably no, I think yeah, I want to say 10, and I, yeah, I remember that slide. I remember Dirk was in that draft. Okay. Dirk went nine, was, eight or nine, mm, like wow. right before him. Yeah, and, I think I think Pierce was supposed to go like number two. You know, yeah, he was wow, that's weird. Top, How, why did he fall five. so far? That's crazy. I always heard it was like character, character. Right. That's like why Rondo fell, like difficult yeah. player. Too cerebral character issues, stuff like that. You know, I don't know. Of course, we are not experts here on this podcast. All we know is that he slid to the Celtics at 10. And that was huge because everyone was hurting from missing on Tim Duncan. Right. Still, right. So to get Pierce at 10 was big. And then because they didn't have a great team and Pierce is just like knack for scoring um, and just the role he initially fit into. He was much smaller initially too, remember? So he was really light and he just was so quick. And he just, I think he averaged like at least 15 or close to 15. I don't know. He averaged a lot of points his rookie year. Like he just came in, was lighting teams up already. Right. We hadn't had someone like that. I mean, Twan's Twan and... Talented, he was fun. NBA champion. He was fun, you know what I mean? Like, you, like <laughs> it was fun. It was a ride. I, I got to say, I I love Antoine Walker, course, and I know I mean, it's not. And as a fan, like, he wasn't. <laughs> I know analytically, it wasn't like the right fit. But that's but what I, mean. I remember. Like, he he made you feel like 
you after i think i mean personally i thought everyone loved Tuan. like i thought that was the fee, the vibe of Tuan. you know what i mean he sure was like, he made you feel like you're you're like you're you're going through everything with him you know what yeah. i mean like he he wore his emotions on his sleeve and brought you in yeah and the antoine shimmy exactly. has got to be yeah. like you think about okay. now the stuff that like Steph and others do and like the Antoine shimmy. I mean, that's up there with on. the shuffle, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, we get Pierce and there was something about him that was like, oh, this is someone we can build around, mm. I think, more. And um, without diving too deep into the numbers, because we are not experts or analysts. Uh, I did look back, you know, because they were so bad the year before the big three that we're about to talk about. Um, so just looking at that roster and reading all those names was fun. And one of the more fun things is that they had a very uh, little-known guard named Alan Ray. No joke. No joke. Come on, like, you are you serious? You cannot yeah, make this up. <laughs> From Alan Ray to Ray Allen. I, I, <laughs> How did they do something. it? So, <laughs> uh, I think without foreshadowing, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, for real, for real. It's it's crazy, and uh, so yeah. Without further ado, I'm gonna read their roster. <laughs> From 2006, 2007. Okay. I'm just going to read their roster and then let's start to dive in. Can I say about Antoine Walker though? He was he did he exit the year before this? A few years actually. A few uh, years, yeah. Uh, this remember he won a championship with Shaq and Dwayne Wade in Miami. Oh, so he was already in Miami that. by that season, which was I think but the year before this. Or two years prior to this. I forget. Because I'm not an expert. But I can read a list of names. Are we ready? Here's who it was. Tony Allen. T.A. Ryan Gomes, the aforementioned. Gerald Green. High Flyer. Big Al Jefferson. Of course. The Candy Man. Former (laughs) number one overall pick of the Clippers. Kendrick Perkins, of course. Now in his third year out of high school. Paul Pierce, the truth, the one and only, three, four. Kevin, double N, Pinkney, not Ed Pinkney. Leon Poe, Theo yeah. Ratliff, mm, former Hawks big man. Alan Ray, the aforementioned, that's A-L-L-A-N-R-A-Y. Rajon Rondo, he was a rookie. Scal. Scal. <laughs> Wally says a Zerbiak. <laughs> we had Zerbiak? We had Zerbiak for a hot minute. And he was like our two, three guard, yeah, you know, okay. outside shooter that year. Sebastian Telfair and Delonte West. I hope he's doing well wherever he is right now. Yeah. You know, prayers up for Delonte in this world. So that is what the roster looked like, and that produced a 24 and 58 finish. <laughs> That's not much better in NBA Jam. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was not the year that they lost to the Nets, then, huh? Yeah, I think it's time, guys. Without further ado, where were you? Close your eyes and remember where were you 
when you heard that Ray Allen of the Seattle Supersonics was traded to the Boston Celtics. I know where I was. Yes. So, so I, I, I know exactly where I was. So I was at a bar called Seasons uh, on Martha's Vineyard, which sadly is no longer there. Uh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm at Seasons at the bar. I, I think I was with a few friends. And, uh, you know, they've got the sport, you know, sports center on and the TV's on the bar. And, you know, the trade comes through. And I, I want to say this was like, was this summertime? In my mind, it was summertime when this was happening. Would have been May, I think. Okay, so spring. Okay. Yeah, late spring. It was around the draft because they traded. Okay. Pick. That makes sense. So yeah, so you know, on Martha's Vineyard, at least when the spring, like you know, you know, it's like you've survived the summer and there's like spring eternal and there's new life. So that's you know, uh, the kind of the feel we were having. But you know, so the trade goes through for Allen and. For me, and I think the people that we were talking at the bar, we were not that excited because we were saying, you know, this isn't the answer because we already have a Paul Pierce. So now you've got basically two guys playing the same role. Like, there just was like, you know, this isn't, this is not going to fix, this is not the key, this is not the, like... The puzzle is not complete. Sure. But, you know, uh, it was good news, but it wasn't like, oh, we're going to we're gonna crush everyone now. We have Ray Allen. You know, it was just, I don't know. So it was yeah. like, it was a weird feeling. I feel like it was unexpected, too. Yeah. Definitely. Right? It wasn't like a rumored trade or anything, per se, that I remember. It was right, just no. like, wait, who, wait, wait, Ray Allen? <laughs> wow, he's good but like weird in yeah, a way exactly. you know it was just like um very very similar game to pierce in my opinion you know he was like a excellent shooter but he could also slash you know what i mean like he was uh he could take the ball to the rim like you know he wasn't as powerful as pierce but a better shooter in my opinion so yeah. it was like but you're again very two very similar game styles that i was like are they really going to be able to help each other? Like who, who's going to get the ball? You know what I mean? I don't know. It was, right. It was, it was like I said, it, it, all of us at the bar were happy that something was happening, but we didn't think that it was like, the, you know, being the professional, you know, analysts that we are. Yeah. I had a different experience. Cause I had a college roommate that was from Milwaukee. It was like a Bucks fan. And he turned me on to Allen at that time um and i always thought he was you know this prolific scorer and like ball hunters like and for me pierce was the truth right but i always also looked at him as like such an all-around i didn't quite get the similar vibe that you had where they were like the same player i was actually just like whoa we got ray allen and i was like remembering all these like 33 point games like you know just just like these shots from behind the arc, these highlights, sports center highlights. That's what was like flashing through my mind when I saw that. And I was just like, oh. But I agree. It, it didn't, nothing made sense as a team necessarily in that moment. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, I, you know, I, I suffer from a, a, a sickness, you know, where I've, I've probably overrated every young Celtics player, you know, I want to believe. So, 
You know, when I looked at Delonte West and I, I think it was a number five pick, you know, I gotten so used to suffering and, and thinking about how Delonte was going to put up 20 a game someday if he just had the shots and number five pick, that was a, that was going to be a star. And so I think, you know, I always kind of overrated, you know, after all those years of suffering where our young guys were still going to take us when there was an all-star, you know, right there coming in. So you know, I think that first shoe to drop with with Ray Allen, we were all kind of trying to figure it out. And then, sure. uh, you know, once we saw the big picture and we get into all, you know, KG and all that, you start to realize what's happening. But, you yeah. know, that day I'm like, man, I like draft picks. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, having just read that list, you know, those random assorted vets on the team the year before, there's nothing there. Right. So. um it was, yeah, it was a little confusing for sure and unexpected probably for most. Um, and I think, you know, it's a different era, right? Now, 15 years ago, literally, um, which is crazy. <laughs> and, you know, there wasn't the same amount of social media uh, reporting right. awareness, just a lot of things that allowed this to happen under the radar and allowed Trader Danny to, uh, to pull off what he eventually did in sending, I forget, we counted at one point, uh, but in sending, in our minds, the most draft picks and players ever <laughs> for one player, essentially, in return uh, in the Kevin Garnett trade. So the Ray Allen trade was centered around that top five pick right which turned into jeff green still playing <laughs> still playing uh came back to boston had that heart issue which they you know helped him through and uh is a very productive vet on good teams still amazing um so certainly a worthwhile pick but not a pick that you needed to keep actually if you could get ray allen so that was the right move but certainly danny I'm sure had uh, a lot planned when he made that, right? So uh, how, I forget how long yeah. between the Allen trade did we get Garnett? Like, was there weeks? Like spring, spring to summer? No, it was it was no, a few was, months. We looked it up, I think, last time maybe, and um, it was about two months maybe. Oh wow, okay, yeah. W Wikipedia to the rescue here. I'm peeking. It was May yes. for Ray Allen and July for Kevin Garnett. So oh, we're waiting okay. a bit. Yeah. So yep. that's like a few months of that feeling at the bar of my doubt of like <laughs> what's you know, going on of having, you know, the same kind of dynamic, like, and how that, how that's going to work out before actually seeing like the actual puzzle come together. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It all yeah. happened, you know, in the grand scheme of things so quickly. Um, and I find that, especially with off-season moves, when there's multiple moves, it's a little hard to remember always, like, the when spacing and when yeah. that happened. It just is like, we got Ray Allen. And then Kevin Garnett, holy. Right, like, yeah. Like, I honestly, if you told me it was, like, <laughs> two weeks after, I would have been like, okay. And if you, right. two, two months, that, that seems like a long time, actually. Like, I don't remember it being that long. Yeah. yeah. I do, only because I remember, it's funny, because I, I remember the Garnett, moment 
more clearly than I do the Ray Allen moment. And I feel like it's one of those, one of those sets like of circumstances where like the casual Celtics fan would have like heard about Garnett, been stoked, then tuned in for the first game and been like, wait, we got Ray Allen too. Like what, what's going on? And like had totally missed the entire thing. Um, but I was working at Alchemy, uh, which is this bar and restaurant in Eggertown when the Garnett trade happened and it was just this buzz. Right. And it really, it took the whole thing to another level. And like what we were just talking about, how um, uninspired they were the year before to then real quick. Um, and it was definitely something too. And I'm curious what you guys think about this, like the stars aligning. Kevin McHale was the GM, of the Timberwolves, that trade happening, like any angels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Does that happen in any other world in any other like universe, parallel universe? Like, so yeah. once in a once in a lifetime situation, Pro- probably not. And I think you know we take for granted now. We've had years of Trader Danny, and the NBA gets crazier and crazier. But that trade wasn't like we had, you know, Antoine Walker. Let's trade a star for a star. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. You know, does, does anyone remember that it was okay? It was Al Jefferson, Ryan Gomes, Theo yeah. Ratliff, Gerald Green, Sebastian Telfor, a first round pick, return of another first round pick. From the Ricky Davis Wally Zerbiak trade. And it's like, what? <laughs> what just happened? We <laughs> traded six guys and money and picks. And we got Kevin Gar. Okay. Yep. Sign me up. Yeah, I kind of yeah. remember it like thinking like, okay, the Allen trade, you know, you got the draft pick and everything. But then I remember looking at the Garnett trade like over and over again and being like, how is this good for <laughs> 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 Who agreed to this? Like, this is like, <laughs> are you serious? You're going to give us Garnett for, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. Know. Well, Steve and I, you know, we have touched briefly before on the fact that what we've heard actual basketball experts say is that if you trade a star for a bunch of young pieces, you lose almost every time. So if you don't get a star for a star, unless you get enough high picks that you can turn into stars, right? Right. But otherwise, you're going to lose that trade. And it does feel like, looking at it now on paper, for sure, it definitely Definitely. feels like 75 cents for a dollar. (laughs) Yeah, and it's important to remember, too, that this was like the first of those major moves for Danny that sort of then catapulted him to this notion that he's going to fleece you or people need to be on guard with him. And, And I think there weren't many trades like this before. But I want to actually bring it back to a point that Brian made around the way we feel about our homegrown prospects and draft picks. Because I feel like Al Jefferson was totally one of those guys that was talked about with this incredible potential. And even when in the moment when this trade went down, it was like, well, you know, the Celtics are giving up Al Jefferson. It could have this amazing career. We don't know. Like, it was always like a narrative. <laughs> but I think we all kind of knew, like, no, no, we're good. Yeah, you guys yeah. take the guy who might be good, and we'll just take uh, Kevin Garnett. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen, I, I do remember some of that consternation from, I'm not going to admit to it myself, but some of those <laughs> young prospects geeks, they're like, ooh, Al Jefferson. He could be putting up 20 and 10 for the next 10 years. Kevin Garnett's kind of old. Yeah. So I don't know about this one. You know, we might regret it. And, you know. What year was that for Garnett's career? Like, how many years was he in? Do you know? Uh, I want to say eight. Let me see. Um, so going in that year was, no, wow, 12. 
Yeah. Okay. So he was a high schooler as well. I was going to say he yeah, was coming out of high school. Yeah. So, so he's got. He was you young. Know, so it's, it's more like it's eighth season. I mean, obviously the NBA is wearing tear. So 12 seasons is 12 seasons. But he was one of those guys that, like, when he came to the Celtics, no one was talking about this guy's towards the end of his career. He was like the prime. Like, he yeah. was like, he's got his man body now because he's not a high school kid anymore. And he's just destroying people yeah and we briefly also touched on how you know you have to imagine that kevin gar i mean uh, kevin McHale, being the gm while kevin garnett was on the wolves uh made this trade possible in a lot of ways potentially however it's good to remember that garnett had lost in the first round of the playoffs for something like six straight years Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, so his story in, though he was so great and such an amazing young player as he came into his own, you have to remember that that was a team that had a ceiling, seemingly. Right. And I think yeah, they, so in, yeah. So when McHill's thinking is, we can't really build a team around him, or we've tried, and so let's just rebuilt right and so garnett is you know this year i mean he's already technically just past his prime right, right. if you consider like 27 28 i think is like technically supposed to be prime but he's still very much in his prime but for mikhail if he doesn't have other pieces that age and uh probably at the time not a budget to spend and free agency, plus it's 15 years ago. It was a little different how player movement worked. Yeah, he's like, this you know. This is my last chance to get, to get something for him. I got to get everything I can to try to rebuild. And if I get enough and a young piece to build around, which certainly the homers thought, but I think a lot of people thought, and let's remember, Al Jefferson was productive in the league for a right. long time, uh, if somewhat limited defensively maybe, but... He was a 20 and 10 guy for a long time until he started to get hurt. So yeah, at the time he's like, I get a big man to replace him to build around and a lot of pieces and uh, yeah, a, a new timeline and not squandering any more of Garnett's prime. I'll give him to my old buddy, Danny. <laughs> See what Danny can <laughs> yeah, do. And I, and I think that sounds a lot like the Danny Ainge pitch minus the naked photos of Kevin McHale. <laughs> But, you know, I think another narrative that that would always go around that sounds so ridiculous now, but, you know, us uh, experts and non-experts alike, we love to talk about which players are winners and which aren't. So you have a Kevin Garnett in Minnesota who loses in the first round of the playoffs every year. And even though it seems obvious now how ridiculous it is, people were questioning, you know, is this guy a winner? Can you win a championship with, with Kevin Garnett? And it turns out he just needs like, you know, teammates. Competent. Good. <laughs> Competent four to six guys to run mm-hmm. with nightly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so they, in July, as we've uh, re-remembered, uh, in July of that off season, they make the Garnett trade. And um, we it, it, of, it like, sorry, it like, yeah, no, no, go ahead. it shocked the sports world when that happened too. And I don't yeah. think it was just the Boston area, but I remember them like, like they promoted the hell out of the Celtics. Like once they got the the, the Garnett and Allen, 
it was like commercials. There was like this new technology where you could like freeze the angle and then like turn it like with the tricks. Yeah, yeah. And they started doing those commercials with like, and I was like, I don't think I've seen a Celtics commercial like, you know, promoting the Celtics in 20 years. And now it's like everything, every sports center was full of like, so it wasn't just like, you know, the Boston fans that were like hyped on this. This was like the news, you know what I mean? Like it was everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It shook the whole sports world and the, you know, cycle of sports news and sports center was pretty not only ramped up, but peak. You know, Sports Center has probably fallen in overall popularity and TV ratings, I'm sure, since then because yeah. of the internet and so many other things, right? So we're talking peak, peak, just give me that 24 yeah. hours sports <laughs> yeah. news. Yeah. And yeah. And then, of course, uh, all the photo shoots and media shoots, the three of them, uh, that, you know, first preseason and yeah then the season starts and because for me i and i was yeah. gonna you this i remember the trades and all that stuff and i remember where i was and stuff but i actually don't remember the like the beginning of the season at all like i don't remember the first game i don't remember sitting down with friends to watch the first game like i know a lot of people probably did but i don't remember it i probably did too but i don't like how did that go like yeah i don't remember First game, there are many seasons, which I do remember the first game too, or at least several, uh, most notably the Gordon Hayward game, which we won't talk about. We already covered, <laughs> but I don't remember the first game or even the beginning of the season other than they just looked as good as everyone thought they could be from right. game from like minute one. Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna say something very similar. I think yeah. at the time we were almost not surprised that they were great. Oh, it's Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, right, and Kevin Garnett. Right. Great, we're gonna win. It would make more headlines wins. if they weren't winning, like the like you know right. the first game. Like they lost, they they got all these players and they're losing. You know that would make the headlines. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and even like the Heat not winning that first year, they formed the big three was like big news. Right, right. Oh, they're just not gelling this year. It's going to take time, right? Yeah, yeah. With them, it was just like, this is seemingly not going to take time. <laughs> One of the things that um, that Steve and I talked about a little bit in the last episode that we could definitely uh, incorporate is how fortunate or savvy Danny was to keep Rondo and Perk ultimately. Some other pieces too. Leon Poe, man, we'll talk about him a little later. Um, but keeping Rondo through those trades was huge and Perk as well, for sure. But if you think about how Rondo ascended to eventual all star status, and towards the end of this run, people were legitimately calling it a big four. Yeah, no, and I was going to say that too. Like, the big three, like we talk about the big three and that's like, you know, the, the, the sort of the, you know, what everyone calls it is the big three, even until this yeah. day. But Rondo was such an integral part to that team. Like, I mean, a, a point guard always is, but like, you know, he's, he's the second year. Yeah. And he's got poise that most second year point guards don't have 
And then there's a lot of pressure being that like you guys are now the team that's supposed to win it all. Right. And there's a big three and you're not part of the big three. So like, but you're still going to be the guy who's getting everyone the ball. Like there was a lot of pressure and not a lot of, uh, I feel like people, like if I was Rondo, I might've been like, Hey, there's more than a big three here. Like we're, there's a whole team. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think there might have been a little fresh frustration there, or for if I was Rondo personally. Yeah, and I feel like that probably played out a little more like publicly later. And yeah. Of course, uh, towards the end, his and Ray Allen's dynamic was something that was talked about. Um, and fortunately, I, well, in my mind, fortunately, and we always like to try to see the positive of any Celtics moments, good or bad. Fortunately, I think he was young enough and wanted to win and had Kevin Garnett yelling at him. Yeah. So I think there was like a fortunate alignment of things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Garnett being like just that much, uh, you know, louder and bigger and meaner and fiercer than pretty much anyone on right. the court most nights. Yeah. He, yeah, that I think... Well, and also, you know, hey, Pierce and Ray Allen, like everyone accepted this like new role and, you know, working together really well this first year for sure. But yeah, I think Rondo, without the same leadership a little later in his career, that's sure. a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I think there has to be something to be said too with, with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce all coming together at this point in their careers where they just did not have anywhere close to the team and or teammates for that like starting lineup. So this notion that they are actually like, whoa, I'm in this vehicle that I can drive as fast as I possibly can. And just in regards to how they just hit the ground running, we're doing really well. And then if you're a second year player in Rondo, like you're not going to be the voice <laughs> over the three perennial all-stars. Maybe the, thought was if we don't include him in this big three then there's less pressure on him you know what i mean like if they start calling you the big four and you're like oh shit that's a lot to live up to you know whereas if he's they're the big three and you just get to be you know the the new guy you know and just you know like maybe that's maybe that was the thinking I agree, yeah, though. I like, even as that season went on, Rondo got more and more confident. And right. It was more and more like him just driving and yeah, taking the taking the lane when he when he saw it and scoring. And you were like, yeah. awesome. Like he was. Sorry, amazing. Brian. What were you saying? Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, I'm 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 geeking out on Wikipedia now because you know as I do. <laughs> but something that really strikes me about that team, and you know, I I might not have remembered this detail otherwise, is just how consistent, healthy. Same guys on the court day after day. Even look at their their bench. We're talking about James Posey, Sam Cassell, Eddie House. So if you're Rage on Rando and you see all these guys, you know, stepping into into role playing bench roles, okay, who who am I to say I'm I'm above even a, a James Posey or a Sam Cassell or a Tony Allen? You know, you know these guys yeah. are putting in the work. And, you know, in, in these COVID days, especially, we can probably appreciate this. Like, 
everybody on that team played like 80 games. They, they played every night. They played their role just every single day. So there's a lot, there's a lot of structure there. A lot. Yeah. Good point. You think also just about the way that championship teams are built and big threes these days with player movement and things are often like a big three and then whatever else you can get. And if LeBron's there, you know, the ring chasers are going to come. No offense. (laughs) I would chase a ring if I could play in the NBA. Uh, But this team, you look at the bench and it's like shooting, defense, length. Like it's ideal. And I think a little ahead of its time. I think we've already kind of alluded to this, like the way these trades went down, the way they built this team and just like put together, manufactured almost a team that would win now in the current NBA. It's like pretty amazing. And I think a lot's been modeled after that, right? Yeah. Eli, Eli, you and I touched on it just before we know the podcast started. It was like, he sort of, Danny Ainge set the tone for like this, like a recipe, you know, if you follow this big three Celtics recipe, you too can win the NBA championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was, and people did, you know what I mean? And that's sort of what people do nowadays. You know what I mean? It's like, you look at like the, the, you know, the heat after that, you know, yep. the decision. <laughs> um, God, that was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I don't mind big, big three trades, but like calling it the decision was just, I don't know. Anyway. Um, but you know, and then like the golden state, you know, you know, like yeah. you have these pieces and you're like, what's that? What's that last piece of the puzzle we need? You know what I mean? It's like, and that's what teams do now is they look for that. Like they get, they get those, those yeah, it's almost... full on, like, you know, trading your whole team for a new team or, uh, or just those few pieces you need, you know? Yeah. I feel like we're actually on the other side of the spectrum or the other side of the rainbow with the whole philosophy with the Brooklyn Nets, where it's actually like, wait, is it a good idea for like <laughs> these giant superstars to come together? Is it always going to work out? Because, <laughs> well, and it doesn't too. I mean, wasn't there a year where they like maybe it does? I don't know. I can't remember if they won or not. But didn't the Lakers get like Carl Malone and, <laughs> and like fifty other like stars? Like you know, we talked about this on like, an earlier episode. Actually, but I don't remember if they won that season or not. No, they didn't. they did not. Yeah. Like, they were old, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, they got Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Gary Payton, yeah, so I was, yeah, to play with Kobe and Shaq, right? It would work, but it didn't. Yeah, work. yeah. So I mean, it's like <laughs> too many mouths to feed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, <laughs> and old mouths, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is the timing, and um, I think the Heat most accurately replicated it. Well, they also <laughs> did it right after because, uh, you know, LeBron maybe couldn't get past the Celtics for a little bit. People seem to forget that. Uh, so the Heat were able to do it because they were able to build like a really similar dynamic and structure. Yeah. And they always had that like Mario Chalmers um, sort of like annoying other point guard or big man who stepped up that year. And, um, but back to, you know, this year in the Celtics and Rondo. Yeah. So we have a clear starting five 
and a really good bench. Like it's, yeah, the health. Right. You know, Brian, great point about like, yeah. 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 And it's like not only COVID, but a lot's related to COVID. But now because we also have like Pop, Popovich, Pop started the whole like severe player resting or whatever you want to call it. Right. So it's a different thing now. Like it's this team. Yeah. You look up and down and like people played every game they were available for and every minute they were needed. And that's so fortunate. I don't know if it's lucky or fortunate. That's a debate to have another time, but uh, we'll say lucky since it's the Celtics because (laughs) yeah, having everyone healthy allowed them to, yeah, turn over much of their roster new roles, new guys, and seemingly went smoothly. I don't, do you guys remember any hiccups where you were like, ooh, all right, it's going to take more time? I feel like there just weren't really. And of course, yeah, we are not experts and we weren't beat reporters following this time, so I'm sure there were things going on, but it seemed so smooth. And then just like, yep, we're the number one seed and we're going all the way. What I don't know if you want to jump ahead or if this is where we're at, but what was their record? What did they end up that season? Like regular season? Yeah, they were sixty-six and sixteen. Okay. First in the East. They had the number one defense in the league. And the number one net rating driven by their defense, because their offensive rating was tenth. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I, I believe the uh the turnaround there from the last year was the, the biggest of all time. They went from like 20-something wins to 66. 20, 24 to 66, and what 24th place, to first in net what, rating. What place did they finish the year before, like like in seeding? Like, like, were they last? Were they last to first or no? Yeah, they finished last in the Atlantic Division. Okay. And then first wow, in that's, the conference. That, that is impressive. Last yeah. first does not happen a lot in sports. No. Brian, Brian, did you recall or see any with did they have the ability to make any midseason trades or were there any moves that the small moves that they made that sort of made a difference at all? You know, I you know, I was looking at their roster here and trying to remember the timeline, but I know I know PJ Brown was one of those like late season guys. You yeah. know, okay, we're ma- we're making the run. Let's get another veteran in here. And he came through huge in moments. Like he was that tough big man off the bench we needed. Yeah, definitely. We had a, I mean, we had a young big baby, you know, I think we're all entertained by uh, big baby Davis, but probably getting a a PJ Brown in there that uh, maybe a little more reliable, a little more tested was a, was big for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if, you look at the the win and loss distribution. I think their longest losing streak was like three or four games. Very, very brief. Overall, very strong. They blew out a lot of teams. They they pretty much did what they were supposed to do, right? And uh, came rolling into the playoffs and then had really tough seven-game series. Like, uh, it was like, Almost every series was seven games, wasn't it? Except for, uh, well, no, I guess the first two were. It's weird because they played the Cavs in the semifinals. Right. 
the way the seating worked out. So that feels like conference finals because right. of LeBron, right. but it was the semis. And so they seven versus Atlanta, seven versus Cleveland, then six against the Pistons and six against the Lakers. That's insane. Yeah. So many That's games. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And to roll out your guys in game six of the NBA finals. It's interesting. You know, what we haven't really talked about much is uh, coaching. Like you get Very true. these, you get just because you get a big three. I mean, there's a lot of ego there. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and people oh, that have yeah. never played together before and you get them to gel like that and you get them to buy into your system and you get them. I mean, it's like that, that in itself, like you said, that didn't work in Miami the first year. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, that, that can't be an easy thing to, I mean, it's obviously a dream to come true as a coach to get to <laughs> guys and like to have a team like that. But like, yeah, on the flip side, there's a, again, talk about the pressure. Like you got all these players and you can't win games. You know, you got all these players, you can't get them to work together. That's your job. You're the coach. You know what I mean? That's a good point. What, what year was it in Doc Rivers' tenure? It was early on, I think. Let's see. One, two, three. It was his fourth. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, that's pretty early yeah, in pretty your early, coach's yeah. career. But it's also that that time of like, you've done nothing in your four years here. Goodbye. You know what I mean? Like here, all the here, yeah, all the pieces. This is this is your <laughs> only chance. Like you, yeah, you don't no excuses. Up, you're gone. So yeah, that's a lot of pressure on the coach. Um, yeah, and some of the predecessors uh, to Doc may not might not have fared quite so well, right? Yeah. So it takes, in my mind, there's some guys where it takes a former All Star who used to run games to tell you how to run games, right? So there's uh, a credibility to like coaches who are, you know, former stars and especially it seems like former point guards. Yeah. Often turn into coaches for whatever. I guess because you're running the game. You're running. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, to have doc there to be the guy, um, certainly. And with a team like that, like, I mean, doc, I would say Doc is a player's coach. You know what I mean? He's not like one of those guys who's like going to butt heads with the players and it's like my way or the highway kind of thing. He's more of like a let's build these guys up and like, you know, buy into the system and everyone believes and we all get each other's back. That's like the Doc mentality. And I think you like you, you, you did hit that on the head. Like that team needed that kind of coach. Like if you had like a Riley or someone like that, I don't know uh, who's like one of the greatest coaches of all time, but could he have coached that team? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. 